Hello, everyone, and welcome to our show. Today we discuss about communicating tips, how you can know your customers, how you can learn uh, by using data. I'm so excited to discuss this topic. Michelle Kiss, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing great. Yeah, because sunny day, Friday, yeah, as we discussed before the, <laughs> our podcast. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, before we start, just tell more about your experience, background, and why you decided to share with us about communicating tips. Yeah, so I uh, work for a company called Analytics Demystified. Um, We are a consulting organization. Um, I have uh, been there for maybe almost like close to close to 10 years. And I work with a wide variety of clients in different business models. So I work in um, kind of like an, an analyst capacity, helping um, companies to do analysis and to build their own analysis practice. So if you think about um, analytics from kind of a, you know, a spectrum from very technical, you know, implementing analytics or um, doing data engineering through to like using the data and answering business questions, I fall on that, um, that, that business side of analysis. Mm-hmm. Um, before that, I have been at agencies. I've also been client side uh, within, you know, individual organizations I'm working on analytics there. So I've been in the industry for a while. Mm-hmm. Love it, love it. Yeah, uh, I'm excited to learn more about your experience. And uh, uh, we agreed about some b- bunch of questions, but you know, I have another question. Sorry for that, because I see on your background books. Can you tell your loving books and why uh, you read them? What kind of value can you get by reading these books? Yeah, I there are some really good resources out there on analytics and on um, data visualization and presentation. And, you know, I just find that it kind of gives me things that I hadn't necessarily thought about. I think that no matter what, what level you're at in your career or um, how you're looking to grow, there are always others that we can learn from. And so um, I would say like, I don't necessarily use uh, just books, but also, you know, there's great resources in terms of um, blogs and podcasts and other, Mm -hmm. um, you know, videos, things that that you can learn from somebody who's gone before you. And sometimes even those learnings come from like outside of the industry that you work in as well. I, you know, I always think that there's others that we can learn from. Yeah. You remind me uh, the quote that the era of lazy marketers is that. So yeah, you need to use uh, many resources yeah. because I often see this error, you know, when masters are looking for some tools or online studies and don't consider many other uh, things that might uh, concern them by persona. And uh, uh, I have the first question. Tell about what kinds of data work for you. Yeah. So I... I typically work with um, web and app behavioral data. Mm-hmm. Um, so for example, if a website is tracking like what pages you view and what you click on and understanding like your behavior and your navigation through their experience, that's the kind of data that I tend to analyze. Uh, it's used by like a really wide variety of different businesses. Um, you know, most sites that that you go to will have some kind of tracking. Um, you know, Google Analytics is a really popular one that a lot of organizations use. Uh, and it can be used to understand all kinds of different businesses. So it can be, you know, how an e-commerce site performs it can be how people engage with features of an application like you know if you 
have dozens of features, maybe some of them are never getting used and, and don't necessarily deserve engineering attention. Um, maybe mm -hmm. others could be highlighted in a better way so that people are using it if you know that it's a really valuable feature, but it's buried somewhere in your site or in your app. Um, so, it, you know, it's really about using data to understand the user experience so that ultimately we can make it, we can make it better for the customer. Love it, love it. Uh, can you tell how to learn user experience? Uh, because, for example, if you uh, use data, you need to create content. How to learn user experience? Because uh, uh, many websites ignore it. They create content for, because they analyze competitors, can create the same content, generic content. But uh, in the final stage, we need to uh, consider our, our buying persona. Can you tell more about user experience? Yeah, I think that... Um... One of the things that I know some analysts sometimes fail to do is putting themselves in the position of their users or even hearing directly from their users. So it's really easy to look at data all day and not necessarily um, really correlate it to real people and understand the why of what's happening behind it. So one of the things that I've found helpful uh, you know, throughout my career is being able to actually hear from users. So, mm -hmm. you know, working with the user experience team in your organization or reading user tests or even, you know, conducting like there's, you know, there's sites where you can conduct like kind of mini quick user tests of your site um, and doing things like that so that you also get some qualitative feedback because sometimes the data can tell us that something's happening, but it's not necessarily going to tell us um, why. And so I think that, you know, anything that you can do to better inform yourself is going to be help ultimately for you to understand the data that you're looking at. Love it. Love it. Yes. So valuable. Uh, the first, uh, the second question, what are some key skills for communicating data effectively? I have lots of these, but to start from um, number one, I would say is making sure that you understand it. And, mm -hmm. you know, I speak from experience, there are times where I'm working on something that is complicated, and I almost get like lost within the data and like lose sight of what I'm trying to say and what the story and what the data is, is telling us. And so it really is like, impossible to communicate the data if you don't understand it yourself you can't tell a coherent narrative um, without a really deep understanding of of what um what the data is telling you so i think that that um to get that story from the data you really need to like focus on understanding it um, I think also it's easy if you work in data to expect that other people are very data literate. And while there are definitely, you know, people in all kinds of roles who um, are very data centric and, you know, work with data a lot. Uh, I think there are also people who maybe are not so data literate. And so it's like your job as the analyst to make what is sometimes quite complicated um, be well understood, even by somebody who is perhaps, you know, not as, as data literate. So it needs to be intuitive and easy to understand. Um, and yeah. I think that's where having ability to summarize and to be able to draw insights from complicated data 
is is really key. Like the analysts that do a very good job are the ones who are able to, you know, boil it down to key points. And I think that's actually, it is actually a skill that you can work on. It's not just, you know, oh, it's something that you're, you know, born knowing how to do. Sort of like when you tell a story and you know that person who like zags off in seven different directions when they're telling a story, Um, you know, maybe not being able to do that. (laughs) You remind me uh, one quote that if you can't explain uh, in simple way, that means you don't understand what you want yes. to explain. So yeah, exactly. Yes. I I <laughs> well. believe wholeheartedly in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the next question: What tips do you have for those looking uh, to better present the findings of their data? Yeah, um, I think that sort of as I mentioned, like being able to summarize is actually a skill. Um, that you can work on. And so I think that if you are looking to get better at presenting data, whether you're, you know, in analytics, or whether you're just in a role where you are trying to use data to maybe you're in a product role, and you're trying to argue why your product should be getting engineering resources or or something of that nature, um, practicing and test drive. And I think Mm -hmm. that those are are very key. So putting together your presentation um, and then going through it with somebody as if you're presenting to a stakeholder, just like if you were to present at a large conference, you would rehearse your presentation. It, It really should be the same when you're trying to tell a story with data. So it might be taking aside one of your colleagues, or it might be your boss or, you know, somebody else that hasn't, hasn't heard um, what you're working on. And I, I think that the other benefit of doing that is sometimes we get so close to a problem or we get so close to the data that it's easy to overlook something really key. And so running your analysis and, and your findings by somebody uh, that can be like an impartial third party allows them to kind of jab holes in where your logic may have failed and give you a chance to go back and like revisit it and maybe validate some of the data or um, make sure that there's not some other explanation before you get into a situation with uh, stakeholders and then they do mm-hmm. that and then that you know kind of hurts your your credibility so um, yeah. I, I also think if you're if you're trying to get better at presenting data, you know, one of the critical things going back to like books and learning is just learning some of the tenets of data visualization and, uh, you know, what, what you, sh- how you should be presenting. And it's kind of like learning how our brains work and how we can create visualizations that make intuitive sense to our brains. Mm-hmm. Love it, love it. Yeah, valuable. Uh, the next question about mistakes. Uh, what are some mistakes you've seen uh, in data communication? Yeah, one of the big ones that I see and have absolutely been guilty of myself uh, is too much information at one time. And so this can come in a lot of different forms. So for example, if you are presenting in a slide form, one of the things that I like to focus on is really only making one point per slide. 
And yeah, that does mean that sometimes when I present data or present at a conference or something like that, I have slide decks that are like 200 slides long, um, mm-hmm. but I'm not overwhelming people by trying to say, okay, now focus on the top left corner. Okay. Now, f- you know, and, yeah. and squishing <laughs> information all, all onto one slide. Um, other ways that this same thing happens is uh, when people will combine multiple metrics onto one chart so let's say you have like a line chart and they're trying to trend things together but it's really just to save space so instead of having two charts you're like i'll just shove those together on one chart and people can look at it together Um, the problem with doing that is that people will um our brains are going to look for a connection. If you as mm-hmm. an analyst like chart something together, people, your end users are going to look at it and think that those two things are related and maybe they're not. So if you're just doing it to save space, it's just like too much information at one time. So splitting things out, giving, you know, giving them their own kind of breathing room and, and way for people to focus on each point one at a time. Um, that's definitely like a big mistake that I see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, and, you know, I, I love uh, having mistakes because, you know, uh, the best knowledge I can get from my mistakes when, <laughs> uh, yes. when I'm failing. Yeah. It's like, you know, failing only brings a new experience, nothing else, you know? Yeah. Uh, that's okay. You know, uh, to make mistakes. I remember when Elon Musk proclaimed, if you don't make mistakes, that means uh, you're not innovative enough. So you, you just go ahead with standard methods. Yeah. Uh, okay, uh, we have the question from Stefan. Uh, what sources of data do you use and how do you organize it? I have uh, a lot of the data that I use. So because I'm a consultant, it's partly related to what data my customers use. And so, you know, we we will go from um, whatever, whatever they happen to have in-house. A lot of the data that I use is in um, Google Analytics. So a lot of companies definitely use that to track uh, their on-site behavior. You know, other companies may use other tools like, you know, Mixpanel or Amplitude or Adobe Analytics or something like that. Um, but using a lot of Google Analytics means that I use a lot of Google, uh, Google products. Um, mm-hmm. From an organizational perspective, most of the time, Um, I'm using data from like one customer at a time. And so they're kind of, they're separated out, but I make use of a lot of, um, I make a lot of use of tools like data studio to be able to aggregate data from multiple sources and combine it into like kind of one comprehensive visual so that I don't have to send people to Mm -hmm. different places um, to gather the information. It's kind of like I've collated it and curated it for them. Mm-hmm. Love it. Interesting about that. Uh, the question, what are some of the biggest challenges in communication data? Um, communicating clearly is definitely one of the biggest challenges. Um, I think also one thing that's often hidden from you know, the, the end users is sometimes just how much like cleanup and validation takes place. Um, behind the scenes. And so you can end up with this presentation that's perhaps, uh, you know, a presentation or a report or something that's very short and it doesn't contain a lot of data. And what's buried beneath it is the ton of work 
that went into cleaning up the data so that it could appear so simple um, or validating the data to make sure that it's correct, um, looking into you know anomalies in the data, because as soon as you show something to somebody, the first thing that they're going to say is like, oh, what? what happened there and you need to be prepared and, and ready to explain that. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I think that um, it's very much, a, you know, it's like the iceberg. There's like the tiny little bit that you see above and then there's all of the, the work that goes into it down below, but it's, it's, you know, analytics job to make sure that stakeholders don't see that work. Like that's not, that's not something mm-hmm. that they necessarily need need to see. Um, but I guess sometimes being aware that it's there. Mm-hmm. Love it. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, yeah. And right now we are going to discuss about stakeholders. I know that these guys want to sell now. <laughs> they want to get results. Yeah. Uh, how can st- stakeholder more effectively work with members of the data team? Yeah, I think the the number one thing that I've seen throughout the years is if you are requesting data is to explain to the the analyst that you're working with um, what the question that you have is or what's the business problem that you're trying to solve. Because it's really easy, you know, as a stakeholder to go into um, a conversation to be like, I need a report and it needs to contain this and this and this and this. And sometimes the actual question that you're trying to solve might be better answered with some other data that either, you know, maybe you're not even aware of that it exists. And so I think that like, if the stakeholder can bring their business expertise to it and the analyst can then bring their analytics expertise to say, okay, based on the questions that you have, um, this would be the best data to answer those questions. I think that's how you're going to get the most from your data team as opposed to like prescribing what the data that you want is. You know, if you're... If you're building out reporting, obviously it's, you know, important for stakeholders to have a say in what they see. But I think being able to start from like what those questions are will avoid the situation where sometimes a stakeholder will ask for a very specific set of data and the analyst will provide them with that very specific data because that's what was requested, but it doesn't actually answer the question. And maybe there was something, <laughs> there was a better, there was a better answer out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I, I love to, to communicate with stakeholders, you know, all the time because, uh, yeah, results depend on that. And sometimes it's hard. It's really hard to explain yeah. something because they are professionals in one direction, like to develop innovative products or even investing money. It depends. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's better to find uh, tools, how to communicate with them. And yeah, and the I, question... I also think... Yeah, go ahead. Um, you know, stakeholders, getting to know your stakeholders and how they think and how they receive data is really important for analysts because I know like I've worked with people in the past where I got the hang of like the kinds of questions that they were going to ask. And so I was then able to try to answer those in advance um, as opposed to, 
you know, getting kind of caught off guard and then you derail an entire meeting because so-and-so has a question and you don't have an answer to it. And so I think that the more you can get to know your stakeholders, it's, it's, it's hard if it's like a new customer or something like that, but the more, the longer you can work with somebody, the more you can get the hang of like the types of things and build, build that relationship as well so that you can communicate the way that they need to hear information. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, what tools uh, help you effectively communicate data? Uh, I, I, as I mentioned, I work a lot with Google products um, and that's just mm-hmm. kind of the result of what a lot of my clients use. So uh, I use data studio a lot for, for visualization. You know, other people may use Pebble or something, something else like that. Um, I also use BigQuery and um, I use a lot of like slide formats for um, presenting information to kind of put together the the narrative behind it. And, you know, sometimes it's um, slides that I'm going to be actually presenting and talking through. And then sometimes it's slides that get distributed. And so that does mandate a little bit of a different approach because if somebody's just going to be sending around a slide deck and you're not there to speak to it sometimes you have to um, communicate a little bit differently than you might if you are going to be uh, the one presenting it um, but you know I think ultimately it's not it's not so much about the tools as how you use them because you can make all of the data visualization mistakes in any tool and you can nail data visualization principles in any tool. So it's more about understanding how you should be presenting data as opposed to um, what tools you're using to do so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, uh, uh, personally, I love using tools. Uh, I have a bunch of tools. Uh, most of them are SEO tools, but uh, I use analytics as well. Google Analytics, I think it's awesome tool. Google Search Console. So yeah, without tools, it's hard to go ahead. And the next question yeah. re- related to that, what's the balance of tools versus people? How do you see that shifting over time? Um. I think that tools have enabled people to tackle tougher challenges. Um, I don't know that tools like make people obsolete. Uh, I think ultimately, you know, you can't really just point a machine at data and draw like valuable insight from it because you need the business perspective and you need to know like what your business's strategy is and what its history is, what things you did in the past that may have affected the data. Like why, why are we seeing this trend now? And you would know that, you know, there were all these marketing campaigns or we made this massive change to the way that our site works or suddenly we're requiring users to log in, um, you know, whatever it may be. So understand that understanding of like, the customer and understanding the business and the strategy is really key. But I think that um, tools can help us to automate some of the tougher parts of, and, you know, maybe some of the less pleasant parts. Um, <laughs> so if you think about going back in time, um, you know, think about like you just had to query log files, for example, to get information about how your experience was performing. And then 
tools like um, Google Analytics came along and, you know, Adobe Analytics and put the shiny front end on. And so suddenly, like, marketers were able to look at their data and it wasn't all dependent on this single analyst to be writing queries and pulling out the data. So I think that it has... Um, enabled us to focus on the more important work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, love it. Um, I have the question about uh, connecting marketers with data. You know, uh, I often see this issue when marketers don't yep. understand data. You know, when you provide mm -hmm. a lot of data, but they create something else, you know, uh, not related to a brand persona, uh, just uh, copy competitors. Can you, uh, do you have experience to connect marketers to data, to explain them that it's better to do something like this or create marketing messages? Yeah, I think that um, training, but not necessarily sit down and force people to pay attention for two hours kind of training. I think one of the things that I found really successful is when marketers have questions rather than just, you know, giving them the answer is actually showing them if it's something that they could reasonably be expected to self-service. Um, basically walking them through how you would do that. And when you're sharing data back to them, sharing visualizations, for example, rather than taking it, the data out and visualizing it in a separate tool, um, showing them the visuals that come in, let's say Google Analytics or, you know, Search Console is your, um, you know, your system of record that you're using for that particular data set, actually showing them the visuals from that tool so that over time, um, you are training them in like bits and pieces and maybe such that they don't even quite realize that they're that they're being trained on on how to use it. Mm -hmm. I also think that getting them bought in at the start of a project is really key. So for example, um, you know, agreeing upfront how you're going to measure this and what success is going to look like means that they have an idea that like, yes, we're going to need analysis of this. And this is what I can expect at the end of, say, a marketing campaign. Like, these are the things that I want to achieve out of it. This is how that translates to metrics and analytics. And this is what we're going to look at after the campaign is done. And having them and bringing them along through that process, I, I think, is really critical um, to help them to learn to understand and use more, use more data. Mm -hmm. uh, I have the question about uh, marketing channel. For example, uh, I mm -hmm. found that uh, on YouTube, I have a different buying persona uh, to my website. And on LinkedIn, it's a totally different persona. I don't know why. Um, uh, probably I create different content. I consider uh, people. But uh, uh, in most cases, uh, content is the same, you know, to educate people, uh, to cover uh, buying journey, you know, all stages of sales funnel. Can you tell, uh, for example, if marketers want to create, I don't know, like video content or website content, how to provide this data? Because uh, buying persona is different to different channels. And uh, do, do you uh, learn, for example, if you use Google Analytics, that means you uh, think more about website content. Mm -hmm. uh, but what about other channels like video content, uh, social media content? Uh, how to provide the right data uh, for these channels? I think what the right data is always goes back to what your goal is. And so if you can define upfront what your, what your goals are for those particular channels, normally if you kind of stop and think about that, there's always a goal or otherwise you wouldn't be putting your effort into it. 
Um, so thinking about like on YouTube, uh, you know, what is it that you want people to do? For example, do you want people to go through and watch an entire video or do you want them to click to multiple videos and watch part of multiple videos? Which one of those, in your opinion, would be a more successful engagement? Do you want people to subscribe to the channel? Do you want, you know, and, and thinking through like what your number one is and focusing your measurement around that. It doesn't mean you can't look at other um, pieces of data, but having a really clear indication of like what your goal is for that. And the goal may be different for those different channels. Mm -hmm. So I think that like starting from that measurement plan is kind of how you figure out what's important from the, from each channel and being able to define that. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, so valuable. Uh, can you tell uh, the difference between uh, gadgets, for example, uh, mobile, desktop? Uh, how? What is the main difference, for example, if you create content for, uh, I don't know, like for, uh, for Apple Store, uh, for Android, or uh, for mobile version of website, or desktop version, how to uh, consider data? That, for example, um, I found that people... Uh, Uh, are willing to buy from desktop, uh, uh, they can buy from mobile version. But in most cases, they just read, learn, and uh, go to desktop version and buy. How to create, uh, consider this thing that uh, we have different, uh, I don't know, like uh, buying mood on different gadgets? Yeah, I think that it's a question of whether your expectations are that people will behave the same yeah. on all of, you know, different gadgets and therefore like whether success looks the same on all of them. Um, but I also think that there's, you know, something to be said for how can you make it as easy as possible for people. Mm -hmm. There may simply be things that um, users want to do on one device and not another. I, you know, I know that I very commonly will look at certain things on my phone and then just be like, nah, I'm, I'm not tackling that on my tiny little keyboard. I'm going to do that when I get back to my desk and making mm -hmm. it easy for people to do that. So maybe it's even thinking about what success should look like on mobile, for example, and maybe it doesn't look like people buying. Maybe it looks like you have a link that you send to your email and people buying through that link so that you're creating this path for them to be able to easily go from mobile to desktop and make the purchase where they're more comfortable. Because, you know, I mm -hmm. think it's about meeting people where, where they want to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Uh, if someone won, uh, wanted to improve their data communication skills, what they need to do? <laughs> Where to start? Um, practice, 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 practice. Because you can't get better at any skill that you don't practice. Um, definitely read up on um, some data presentation and best practices for visualization. I would say that like one, like just, to name one book uh, that's kind of a good uh, starting point is Stephen Few Information Dashboard Design. Um, also Donna Wong from, um, uh, I'm struggling to remember which um, news outlet, uh, has some really good information about presenting data. Um, there's also a lot of like Nancy Duarte has a lot of resources on presenting in slide form and, you know, how to do that effectively. So I think that like learning from um, 
people that have gone before us and have figured some of this stuff out is definitely key to improving your skills. Um, I also think in kind of the intersection of like analytics and user testing is actually doing user testing on the stuff that you're creating. So for example, if you're creating a report or um, you're putting together a presentation, even if it's like really informal, doing some user testing and asking people to explain to you what, what they're seeing and how they're reading it and how they're understanding it and are they understanding it? And are, do your visualizations make sense? Do you have to spend 10 minutes explaining how to you know, read a chart, in which case it's not a very good chart? Um, and, and getting that feedback because sometimes you get a little bit too close to the data that you're presenting and it makes perfect sense to you, but maybe it doesn't make sense to other people. So I think going through some like light user testing of what you're creating can um, be very effective to help you get better at it. Um, and just generally being clear with your message. So that requires that you know what your message is at the start and you've planned out like this journey that you're going to take people on um, to kind of discover what, what you found in the data and giving them all of the pieces that they need to know to be able to follow along with you um, and not get lost along the way. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Uh, I have the question, what uh, people don't need to do today uh, probably obsolete uh, or something else you know because uh, for example in marketing uh, i often see when webmasters are trying to use obsolete methods black hat techniques uh, i don't know uh, whatever uh, but uh, it takes time to gather the right data to learn about your customers can you tell from your experience what uh, people don't need to do today what they shouldn't be doing today the, yes um, I think that, um, the number one thing that is of concern is user privacy. And so mm -hmm. basically if you are putting that first and not trying like sneaky tactics to get information, like while, while you may think that the more information that you can get, the better, the reality is like, if you're encroaching on privacy, it's not going to end very well for you. And so, you know, I think that putting aside um, some of those tactics and really focusing on like, what's a way that you can do it that's respectful to user privacy is like kind of the number one. Uh, I like how your dog can open the, the door, you know, and come to the room. <laughs> nice. Yeah, my dog. <laughs> Very smart dog. In, so. <laughs> <laughs> Very smart. <laughs> okay, I have the final question about the future of yeah. communication data. Data. Can you predict this future forecast? Uh, what kind of future are you expecting uh, in communication data or learning about that? Oh, that is interesting. Um. I think that I hope that mm -hmm. the way that this will go is that we as an industry will get better at translating more 
complex concepts. So Mm -hmm. being able to say, because the amount of data that companies have is just growing and it's, you know, kind of becoming a more and more confusing world and to be able to explain this. And it's actually, it's also for privacy reasons, which are very good reasons. It's also getting harder to do analysis of um, some of this data because maybe some of the ways that you use to join information um, are no longer an option because of privacy restrictions. And so I think that um, being able to clearly articulate um, complicated information and getting better and better at doing that, I, you know, my hope is that that's the direction that we're going in. That because with all this information getting more complex, we really need to be able to distill it down to clear messages. Because if you can't, like, if you can't communicate the data, there's like no point in having it in the first place. It's not giving you any value if it's not being circulated in your organization and it's not, you know, you're not drawing any benefit from it. So I think that that like clear and consistent communication, I, I certainly hope is um, an, an improved path forward. Well explained. Love it. Michelle, it's a big pleasure to get you on my show to learn from you. You share a lot of valuable insights. Tell our, our audience how they can reach out to you, learn more about you, follow you. Sure. Uh, I'm on Twitter, Michelle J. Kiss. I'm also on LinkedIn. Um, again, just my name. Um, I have a blog at michelle.analyticsdemystified.com. Um, and I'm also on uh, Measure Chat. It is an analytics-specific uh, Slack instance um, that's really valuable for anybody that is grappling with um, digital analytics questions. It's a really, really great place to go. So you can go to join.measure.chat. So any of those, or you may see me circulating at conferences, things like that, as the world gets a little bit more normal. Mm -hmm. Guys, you can find all these links in the description below. Listen to us on Apple, Google, Spotify. Thanks again for your time. A big pleasure. Welcome back anytime to share more valuable insights. People, folks, you need to do it. You need to follow Michelle because you can see a lot of valuable insights. Okay, love you. See you.